0: Today, a 2023 flashback on Compassion Radio.
1: Al Janssen and Labib and myself would listen as these leaders would speak from the Quran very beautifully to try and explain what they believed. And Brother Andrew would respond out of the book of Luke with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm tinching myself. This is really happening in Gaza City with the leaders of terrorist movements. And I'm listening to the gospel being proclaimed to them. <laughs>
0: On the trail of the story that is changing the world. We're the Daily Radio Journal of the Kingdom. Boots on and headed for adventure. Thanks for joining us again on Compassion Radio. Last week, I reintroduced you to a mentor and kingdom servant who's already had an outsized impact on 21st century Great Commission work. He's led and continues to lead some of the organizations making inroads and impacting lives with the real, vibrant, transformational gospel. His name is Carl Muller. We've had the privilege of his service to us as Compassion Radio Ventures board member for a number of years. Of course, there's plenty the two of us could chat about in any number of directions, but today we're concluding a specific discussion about Carl's mentor and hero, a man who also profoundly influenced the life of my predecessor, Dr. Norm Nelson, and left a lasting imprint on this ministry. That man was Anna Vanderbilt, known to us in the West as Brother Andrew and renowned in the middle 20th century as God's smuggler. In doing that, he single-handedly supplied the booming underground church in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union with some of their very first copies of the Bible in modern language. That effort became a movement. As a result, the kingdom grew by leaps and bounds all across Asia. But in true Compassion Radio fashion, there was more to the story. Much more. When Brother Andrew passed on to glory September 27, 2022, we reached out to his many friends who travel with him and can give us more shape to the amazing legacy that Brother Andrew left us. Like Norm, Carl Muller worked closely with Brother Andrew and led the Open Doors USA office for many years. Today we pick up last week's discussion as Carl describes the kinds of doors that God kept open for Brother Andrew. When very few were even interested in getting a foot in the door, Brother Andrew pushed on into the house and brought the gift of Jesus. Jesus. And he did it in places where almost every single Christian leader believed were impossible to reach. Al Jansen and
1: Labib and myself would listen as these leaders would speak from the Quran very beautifully to try and, you know, explain what they believed. And Brother Andrew would respond out of the book of Luke with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, again, pinching myself to say I'm sitting here. And this is really happening in Gaza City with the leaders of terrorist movements. And I'm listening to the gospel being proclaimed to this. It's it's
0: like a poetry
1: duel. Yeah.
0: and I've heard heard about going into Bedouin communities where you better have a song ready because when you sit down, it's going to be entertainment for the night. That's it. That's exactly right. Whether they agree with you or not, whether they feel like I want to kill you in the morning, they still want to be deeply moved by what you say the night before.
1: But it was the friendship that Brother Andrew forged with these groups while Uh they were on the run. He brought the love of Jesus to them in the form of cups of cold water, figuratively, and the blessing of knowing that somebody was praying for them. You know, you've had this experience, Bram. It doesn't matter what faith you're from. If you tell somebody, can I pray for you? Hmm. They will say, yes, yes. Yeah. And so we've had the opportunity to pray in Jesus' name with, with people in that, in that part of the world, regardless of what their faith is.
0: Yeah. It happens because not just that you're there, but you've stepped into the cracks where the spiritual is leaking through like a gushing spring. That's- I mean, <laughs> the need for intervention, for God to do something, for my suffering to have meaning— yeah. for my life to amount to something, for people to understand me, and for God to love me. Yeah. Those are huge forces in people's discussion and their conversation with you. Yeah. And because you're there, they have hope, mm-hmm. literally, that somebody's going to notice them and be aware of their situation. And when you bring the gospel back, it is a cup of cold water. But yeah. I got to ask on behalf of the skeptics back here in the West, to what end? okay, we spent all this effort, and he goes there and loves all these people that we've been trained to hate in the West, and he sits down with them. What good was it? What fruit comes out of these kind of efforts to be that personal with those who have been dedicated to the destruction of Western values or societies?
1: Well, I guess I would say it kind of depends on what you define fruit as. Hmm, Because if if your definition of fruit, and and I mean this with no disrespect, is simply does someone pray to receive Jesus Christ? you really don't, you don't see that. I mean, we didn't see that. Uh, now, there are those, and we know that God is doing that to bring people to a personal encounter with the living Christ. And that is, I think, a byproduct of all of the exposure and, and intentionality that the church has. But, you know, I think, I think if we really talk about the ends, Jesus simply said, love your neighbor as yourself. He mm-hmm. said, "Bless those who persecute you. Blessed are you when men persecute you. And so when we serve the suffering church in those regions, when we bring a cup of cold water figuratively to those that are even persecuting the church in that area, um, we are doing what Jesus said to do. We don't have an insight. we don't have a we don't have a game plan beyond that. Once Jesus calls us to do it, we do it, and that's success in my mind, because God is the one who's in charge of bringing about his purposes. It's not our purposes. I mean, believe me, when I when I used to tell people I'm going into these different countries and these different places, they'd say, why do you go there? Because it's certainly yeah. not for a vacation. <laughs> you don't <laughs> go there to enjoy it. You go there because Jesus said go. And yeah. Brother Andrew was always an inspiration. He never had sort of a pocket agenda to see Mm. people accomplish his purposes or something like that. His agenda was simply to do what Jesus said.
0: You don't have metrics when you're sitting in the room with people to decide the value of the encounter. No. And God's economy doesn't always pay off in the same kind of interest that we expect it to. That's right. And I do think about, you work in strategy. So you spend a lot of time working big ideas for all the organizations you've ever served. You plan it out, say, if this, then that. Mm. All the if-then statements are on paper before you go somewhere. And then you go, and the rest of the trip is tactical, not strategic. Yes. (laughs) You are adapting to everything God throws at you. Yes. So, describe for me then, as you've been tutored by Brother Andrew on the road, in the field, what is it that God is asking of us when we go? Not just that we do.
1: Yeah. Well, I think strategy has its limits. And I think we in the West are enamored. You know, I'm speaking personally to myself, Mm -hmm. enamored with big picture strategies, you know. And by and large, again, no disrespect uh, to that because I happen to be one of these people. Uh, But every battle plan, every battle strategy um, uh, is, is irrelevant once the fog and smoke of war hits.
0: Well, the war is a good point there. I mean, you're saying that you're stepping into something. It is warfare every time you step off the plane to someplace that God has said, "I'm deploying you." So there, there's plenty of military rhetoric that's not yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. about stepping into God's plan.
1: Yeah, I, I found uh, I was in, I was in uh, the Middle East in a country I won't name, but let's just say we've spent a lot of time there. I was talking to somebody. I said, "Well, wow, it sounds like your ministry is just exploding." He said,
0: yeah, we're well, very careful when we use that word around right? here. <laughs> you don't mention bombs at a line at the airport. Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. You know, I'll tell you this, to your question about tactics, um, uh, again, being extremely prayer-driven hmm. moderates the human tendency to live in our own uh, fantasy world of our own strategic ideas. Yeah. You know, the big plan underneath God's prayer can easily be shifted if your heart is in the right place. If your heart primarily is for the for the welfare of the people, for a blessing, if your if your major strategy, if you will, is to approach this with praying through every dimension of what you're doing, then when things change, and they inevitably will on the ground, it doesn't throw you for a loop, at least as much with a with a with a high strategy, high-structure guy as myself. It doesn't throw me for as big a loop because I'm like, Mm. okay, God, you have a different reason for bringing us here. We thought it was this. Yeah. But you're showing us it's this. So let's go there. I'm even reminded prior to Brother Andrew's days, uh, I worked with crew. Then it was Campus Crusade for Christ in Eastern Europe. And my wife and I would travel with a more senior. uh, We would smuggle materials into the Eastern European countries. And I remember one of the days we would literally go in with no strategy. We would literally go in with one phone number and one first name in Prague or in and just pick up the phone and go Toya Jimmy. It's Jimmy. And they would say, "Okay, I will come. You know, and the next thing we'd be greeted, we'd be whisked off to some uh, clandestine church meeting that had been planned for weeks and boom. The strategy was in motion.
0: Compartmentalization right there.
1: Exactly, exactly. So,
0: And God, I think, does compartmentalize us a bit. Let's go back then to how you've been mentored in how to operate when you hit the ground. Because when we talk about our story and we travel, we, we're just barely witnesses of the kind of things that you and Brother Andrew have embedded yourselves in for so many years. So I don't speak as any expert whatsoever at all. I'm merely an acolyte when I follow you into the field. <laughs> but when you get there, what have you learned yeah. to not to do?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to be clear, there are ministries that do really good work bringing their materials and their perspective and their training into these different countries. You know, if you go in with a program that you want to bring to them, I'm I'm not not, again putting that down, but but I have found in my experience, you ask, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And then you go get it for them. Um, and uh, for my work, because largely when I go to these countries, and I think you're you're way too generous and kind with praise because i 'm not a full time missionary i 'm more of a full time organization leader, but going into these countries in the backpack, if you will, of of some of our staff and leaders in the local areas that was the way I approached everything. I didn't come in and say, Oh, well, we've got a program just for you. This is going to really help you. This is going to do great things. No, I had learned from brother Andrew. i had learned from some of the other senior leaders in these mission organizations to come without that agenda, to simply say, what is it that you need? Where are you at right now? What is it that, you know, we can do to help provide that. And then to simply without fanfare, make way to to bring that in. If it is Bibles, we'll bring Bibles. If it's uh, humanitarian relief, we help organizations like Compassion to fund and and fuel some of those needs. In some of the other places, it was simply to let people know where they were, that they were not alone, that people around the world were praying for them. So um, Brother Andrew said, the most important ministry you can have is the ministry of presence, And uh, he called that the the ministry of the wet shoulder, because Mm, in so many of the cases, we would have brothers and sisters literally weeping on our shoulders, crying because of the challenges that they faced and the sometimes uh, persecution and incarceration that was was involved.
0: Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please, take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, Nine two eight seven seven. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And now, back to the broadcast.
1: In so many of the cases, we would have brothers and sisters literally weeping on our shoulders, crying, because of the challenges that they faced and the sometimes uh, persecution and incarceration that was, that was involved.
0: And we'll continue to face in the years to come. And what I hear you saying, Carl, is that the best way forward is to listen your way forward and to lean in if they need that shoulder. Yeah, yeah simply. And so we provide that. I mean, if there's nothing else but sitting down and eating their food. I take very seriously Revelation 3.20 now because we've literally stood in places and knocked until someone answered because we didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. We are there and God has put us there. And what are you going to do when you're faced with the door but knock? I mean, you're not going to turn around and run away. You're halfway across the world. So there you are, exactly as Jesus was standing, saying, Will anybody give me welcome? And because we believe theologically, simply, that we have the Holy Spirit within us, we are, therefore, Jesus present. And in that regard, in our shell, carrying that authority, that opportunity to love, when we knock that door, we are bringing to life that Scripture in that moment. So where's it going from here? In this century, where do you see the future of ministering to those who are persecuted? Because what I'm hearing more and more is that the life of Brother Andrew was not so much just about bringing copies of printed word to people so they could begin their intellectual discovery, but so that they would be affirmed from the word, the very experience that God had already immersed them in. So what's the future of all this?
1: Well, I think the future really is is summed up in Jesus's prayer for the church on Maundy Thursday when he was praying that we would be one and we would be united. Um, When I was with Open Doors, and I think they still continue this, we started a campaign called One With Them, and it was a wristband. Uh, You know, everybody has wristbands, right? Little neoprene rubber wristbands. But this one was different. It was barbed wire, and uh, it was a rubber barbed wire, but it was black, so it looked pretty nasty. Um, but, but that little thing, one with them, called us to a worldwide movement for people to pray for the persecuted and to be united in that. Yeah. And I think where we're headed uh, for serving persecuted believers is this simple, low agenda, low overhead ability to communicate and connect with those that are in desperate need of just the simple encouragement to continue on. That's what I felt through my years of traveling with Brother Andrew was the most meaningful to me to hear from brothers and sisters. The fact that you would get on a plane and sometimes multiple planes and sometimes multiple dusty roads and back into places that literally nobody in my circle in America even had heard of, uh, nonetheless, been to and to come alongside believers with Brother Andrew and to say, we we see you. We believe that God has a plan for you, and we're praying for you, and anything you need, we will get. This hero of the Christian faith, Brother Andrew, has just shown up in their living room and wants to pray with them. was hmm. amazing.
0: Yeah. What you're saying about going reminds me we have to reiterate something that's really important for our listening audience at home. When we talk about going, we assume that there's nothing there. We go to a void, and therefore we're bringing some great gift, the gospel shows up, and suddenly there's a flowering of God's kingdom there. And you know, we've seen it too as we travel. Every time you get there, like, dang it, God's already been here. He's got his church set up, he's got his people waiting for us. Yeah. The kingdom's alive. It needs something, or God would not have sent us. But it's not like God was unaware yeah. of what was happening there, or already had his people in place. Yeah, exactly.
1: And and so much of what we assume will bless those, uh, I'm always surprised. The things that I think I'm bringing, uh, whether it's a Bible teaching, I'm a, you know we try to always be prepared to teach, but how much more we learn, yes. how much more we experience, and you know people have been on short-term mission and seen that, but but we see it even in the long run, you know that that it is not some Western. Savior. The Savior of those people is not the West. Right. The Savior of those people is Jesus Christ. And he has a specific gospel plan for each one of those people. Yeah. And I, I'll say this. Sometimes I just scratch my head when I'd be in a country like China. Unfortunately, I never had the privilege of traveling to China with Brother Andrew because oh, be awesome. he's a legend there. I mean, he's Project Pearl and the various things that that, that opened doors in those years to bring Bibles for the first time into China was just, you know, it's legendary. But but I remember being in some of the Christian bookstores and I'd see, you know, translations of American books. And I'm going, how is that relevant here? Yeah, <laughs> Church growth strategies that work well in Southern California or in northern Michigan, you know, just don't work in some of these places. And yet they're translated. I just wonder, Brother Andrew never wanted to do anything that was irrelevant. Hmm. He would always scoff and i mean in a good way in a kind of christian holy way <laughs> scoff at those ministries that would bring these irrelevant materials to people who didn't need them didn't want them didn't ask for them and and he'd say they need god's word we always bring that prayer they always need prayer we bring that and then any other thing i mean that they ask for not that we come and say oh you should you should have this this is good
0: you know yeah you're not sitting down with church leaders in a dung hut in kenya talking about the importance of Parking lot spaces,
1: oh, yeah. or or clean restrooms. Yeah. I mean, come on, you know it's fine for a certain American context, but yeah. not where we work.
0: Okay, Carl. This is like one small chapter of a long conversation. I'd love to have with you over time. Okay. Because Brother Andrew is our incipient cause here to talk about what God's doing. Close it out for me. What's on your heart and mind as you think about the life of Brother Andrew, his input to you, the heroes you get to meet along the way, and what it does to you and your your vision for what's possible in the future and what's happening with this generation. I mean, there's so many young people that don't know if they can even find the truth because there's so many lies flying left and right. Um, well, uh, yeah, just give me a theme I, here. How, how would you wrap it up in your own mind?
1: Um, you know, Charles Wesley said he was strangely warmed at mm. one point by the gospel mm. and in a strange way, I'm strangely warmed by this next generation. Mm. You know, I'm not in this next generation, even though in my brain, sometimes I still think I'm 25. My birth certificate and my face in the mirror say, nope, you're not. Um, but I, I will say I'm strangely warmed sometimes by the energy and the passion of this generation and the willingness for this generation to take up a challenge and not be restricted by the way you're supposed to do things. Right. I think maybe some of our generation, Bram, uh, I'm, I'm including you and me, as probably unfair if you're a younger man than me. But in our generation, you sort of want to know, what are the steps I need to take to get to that? Yeah. In the metaverse generation, like no other. I think this is just going. You're not worried about, do I have enough support structure back home? Do I have this? He said, I went and bought Bibles in a store. And I threw him in a suitcase the first trip, and then the second trip, I threw him under the seats of a Volkswagen, and that's how the ministry got started. Yeah. Figuratively, people are doing the same thing. So I guess I'm strangely warmed by this generation, even though we're faced with such overwhelming changes in our, in our culture. I still think this generation is, is a gospel generation and can uh, be used by God in ways we can't even imagine at this point.
0: And they have more of a heart of compassion for those who suffer and can look at the story honestly and say, you tell me your story, don't let me tell you your story.
1: Yeah, that's very true. You know, our generation and previous missional generations were all too often guilty. The reality is this generation is much more the church that, that looks like, feels like, sounds like, smells like, and tastes like the culture in which it is, not having to make them look more and more like America.
0: But hopefully more and more like Jesus. I mean, he does have an image, and he's imprinting it on us as we go. And Carl Muller, currently of the Joshua Fund, and previously of many, many organizations you all have heard of and probably have interacted with in years. God has put you at the helm of many things, not the least of which I think is because you're able to adapt and humble yourself willingly in the role you find yourself and not presume that you have the answers for each organization. And now you're serving in a new one. So... I just I appreciate you're willing to spend a little bit of time in memory lane, but also you're always a forward-looking guy at the same time. You can see the future; the twinkles in your eye because of that, not just the memories of the past. And I want to come back and revisit those themes with you again in the future if you'll give me the time, if you have the time anymore to share like this. Sure.
1: Well, I'd love to, Bram. You guys are near and dear to our heart, as you know. You know, just so appreciated. Uh, the, the the shoulders and legacy on which you stand, but but where you are now and what's happening now is so exciting. As I said, uh, we can we can celebrate the past and rightly so. But I think where God is leading us and where God is bringing all of His plan to fruition in the world is something to just be uh, be thrilled to witness this in our generation. Who would have thought and how? Not to us, oh Lord, but to to Your name be glory in this day and age.
0: Yeah. Well, Carl, I thank you for your service to us as an organization as well, for giving us so many years on the board of directors with your wisdom, guidance, and your kindness. It's been deeply reassuring to me as we make transitions that are hard and we go new places that Compassion Radio never went before. We're happy and willing to go places that maybe Norman Charity never even dreamt of. So we're looking forward to what God has for us too.
1: Well, it's been a great pleasure and one of the great privileges of my missional career was traveling with Norman Share and and being part of what God is doing through through Compassion Radio and and now Compassion Media and the variety of other things you're doing. So, uh, you know this is this is an exciting conversation for me. So I appreciate you, Ram, very much.
0: Thank you, friend. My thanks to Carl Muller of the Joshua Fund and previously CEO of some very notable organizations, including Open Doors USA, the American Bible Society, and others. I'm honored that he was willing to share with us today and to serve for a number of years on our board of directors. which takes the home and more its
1: own shortcomings sweeps with longing.
0: Compassion Radio is still the radio voice of the global church and that's completely due to the Lord's provision through you. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com Or call us at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.